Hi, welcome to Light the Camera Author. I'm Jim Juno, and this is the, sh the show where we talk with authors who write books about Hollywood, television, music, entertainment in general. And if you are a fan of silent movies like me, there are names that jump out at you that everybody would know. The Pickfords, the Fairbanks, Garbos, Chaplins, those movies are well known, and the actors in them are legendary. However, now there is a resurgence to find the actors and actresses who may have operated under the radar, and that's what we have today. I have, the gentleman's name is Stephen Brown, and he has a new book out. It's entitled Butterflies in the Rain, A Tale of Old Hollywood. And Stephen, this is about your grandmother, an actress who went by the name of Regina Doyle. And correct me if I'm wrong, but she was she was almost like the queen of the Western shorts uh, for Universal back in the early 20s, wasn't she? Yes, that's that's correct. Uh, she grew up in Chicago and she was multi-talented. She could not only ride a horse, uh, but could play the piano, dance, uh, act, and and write. And it was in her writing where she wrote the uh, entered in this best original scenario contest sponsored by the Chicago Sun Tribune and acted that winning performance at the Gold Room in the Congress Plaza Hotel in 1921 at the ripe old age of 14. And sitting in that audience was Carl Lemley, the the uh, president of Universal, and he was so impressed by her youthful beauty and dramatic expression that he uh, offered her a contract on the spot uh, if she would move out to Hollywood. And so that's what the family did based on that promise. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't immediately. It was, it was a few years. Um, that's correct. And uh, born in Chicago, her father uh, was a fireman, I believe. Yes, he was. Uh, John Doyle, a, uh, Immigrated from Longford uh, in 1888 with his family, Longford Island, Ireland, the Midlands. His his father was a, a hog butcher at the uh, slaughterhouse in, in uh, Bridgeport in South Chicago, uh, like many Irish immigrants. And uh, and so by the second generation, there uh, here's his his uh, granddaughter uh, becoming a silent film starlet in, in Hollywood. Now, I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, now, you have written the book. And now, if you're looking for the book on Amazon, look for uh, Stephen Gilbert Brown as the author. Um, That's can, correct. Yes, and you can find it more readily at BearManorMedia.com, where you can also order it. So, um, And it's, it's in hardcover and paperback. And so... Look for it on, I would say go to bearmannermedia.com is, is probably the easiest way to find it. Um, but this wasn't just you. Your whole family got involved, didn't they? Yes, it was a kind of a fellowship of uh, three grandsons. Actually, it, it started at a family reunion about 23 years ago on my brother's 40th birthday. And he asked my dad a question none of us had ever thought to ask. He goes, Dad, we know everything about your side of the family. But we know next to nothing about moms. I mean, here I am at 40 years old. I, I can't tell you anything about her past. And my, my dad raises his finger. He says, wait here. And he goes back into the hall, uh, down the bedroom, comes up, back out, uh, carrying in his arms this huge black uh, blue scrapbook uh, that none of us had ever seen. Uh, it had been in the house all these years. And this was uh, 20 years after my mom had passed. And so that scrapbook kind of became our uh, 
our book of Kells, if you will. And inside it, we found this beautifully written but short memoir of, of the night Regina died. And, um, and that kind of launched the whole thing. And if, if you like, at some point, I'd be happy to read those opening lines because that's really where the search began with the discovery of that memoir written for a freshman English class at UCLA in 1944, describing the night of Regina's death. And um, it begins, uh, though I was only five years old, I remember the night of my mother's death distinctly. The rain had been lashing against the house with such fury, the windows and doors rattled. Continuing, I spent many lonely hours calling her before my eyes, passionate in my desire to know her once more. I remember her as gay and young and beautiful. Hers was an Irish beauty, dark hair, blue eyes, creamy skin. She must have been lovely for she was a rising movie star when she was killed. I can still see the laughter in her eyes, feel the softness of her hair about my face, smell the fresh gardenia scent of her as she stooped to kiss me. I can hear the soft, clear tones of her voice as she sang before a group of people gathered at a lawn party. Uh, and reading these words for the first time in, uh, in our mother's childhood scrapbook, 20 years after she too had passed prematurely, I too became passionate in my desire to know this ancestral starlet who was killed weeks after her 24th birthday, returning from a universal movie set. Not, not sensing at the time that uh, it would take us 20 years and span uh, an ocean, a continent, and parts of four centuries and eight generations um, uncovering her story. That's what I want people to realize is that one of the reasons you don't you don't know more people don't know more about Regina Doyle is because at 24 years old. Tragically, she was she was killed when the car she was driving struck a train. And this is 1931, September 29th, 1931 uh, in Hollywood. And like you said, she was coming back from Universal Studios. And um, you go you go into great detail. You find the original police report on the on the on the accident. And you also find some lost information well you find a lot of lost information in this book but really um i i really don't want to get ahead of the game here when i'm talking with you um the uh this this person regina doyle she was really on the upswing wasn't she she was she had she could she just died right before sound movies really kicked into high gear didn't didn't she Yes, and that just sort of underscores the tragedy of her, of her, of her premature death. Like I said, she was a five-talent actress who could not only write, act, and sing and dance, but ride a, ride a horse, which is what Lemley was really looking for was a new cowgirl to replace the uh, Pickfords and Pearl Weiss and Florence Lawrence and Helen uh, Holmes and Ruth Rollins, which were now, you know, passing the baton onto this younger generation. And so it just makes it all the more tragic, given her her uh, her singing voice, uh, which would have positioned her really well for the uh, golden age of Hollywood musicals, which was literally around the corner. And yes, we that was one of our first questions. Uh, what was the status of her career? How high had her star as a starlet risen? And we had come to find out that she had been cast in uh, her second leading role in a feature film at which she was shooting at the time. And, and, and so that kind of is an indication to us. She, she was really on the cusp of break. I mean, she was 
recruited by Lemley in the same 1925 class as Faye Ray, uh, you know, who two years after Regina's death came to stardom in, in King Kong. Janet Gaynor, who had already uh, won two Academy Awards by then, uh, you know, at the same age. They were all recruited as 18-year-olds uh, by Lemley, uh, who spent many, you know, many of these uh, uh, junkets on, by train searching the, uh, the country for, for talent. And so, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of heightens the tragedy of it. And so uh, we, my brother actually found the photo of the wreckage of her car, uh, which was kind of difficult to, to, to look at. Uh, but yeah, my other brother uncovered the, the, uh, the autopsy, the inquest into her death, which was some 30 pages long, which, you know, the original coroner's report um, blamed uh, the cause of the accident on her reckless driving. Um, and so that kind of prompted us to see if we might, if that was the truth. And after years and years of searching and, uncovering documents, we were pretty much able to exonerate her of that uh, charge, finding articles that uh, eyewitnesses account of a second car that pulled out at the last minute as she's coming down that winding turn of uh, North Highland Avenue, coming back down Cahuenga Canyon from Universal Movie Ranch. Car pulls out, she swears, as my mom's memoir said, it had been raining uh, torrentially and obviously lost control. And uh, went into a series of, uh, you know, swerves uh, as she's coming downhill toward that uh, intersection of Franklin and North Highland, which back then was a, a roundabout hub of the Pacific Red Car, which, of course, was owned by the billionaire Henry Huntington. And so uh, we just weren't sure if there was kind of a rush to judgment to pin that, this reckless driving charge on, on her as the official cause, but we've pretty much to our peace of mind, exonerated her of that charge with this discovery that it was a, another car that pulled out. So, um, yeah, it was a, bit, a lot of, uh, you know, discoveries along the way. Uh, one thing just kept leading to another. And so the, the thrust of the story is really twofold. It's not just about her uh, life, art, and ancestry and her tragic death, but about our search to find her. And like you said, uh, you know, we know all about the, the chaplains and pickers and Garbo's affair, but what we don't know about or know much less about are these sort of lesser lights of that universe. And that was one of our motivating um, reasons for the search and for me writing the book was to sort of recover her from that sort of long night of cinematic forgetfulness, if, if you will, um, and kind of bring her back into the, the limelight, uh, you know, the, the, the thing to which she, you know, dedicated and ultimately sacrificed her life. That was the that was you mentioned that was the other thing I really wanted to touch upon was that this this research um, journey took you not just in America but across across the ocean and um, it took you it took you years and years to finally get to the bottom of things to find out about the life of Regina Doyle, didn't it? Yes, it did. And we were motivated by a series of uh, mysteries. You know, uh, how did she become a silent film starlet? Um, what movies and with what actors and directors had she worked with? Um, how high had her star risen at the time of the death? Um, where was her grave? My mom went to her grave never knowing where Regina was buried. Uh, that was a 75-year mystery that, that haunted us. And where in Ireland had her ancestors come from and what had prompted their 
immigration to America. And then, of course, the holy grail of the search was, might there be out there somewhere waiting to be found one of her silent films, even though 80 to 90 percent of all silent films ever made have been lost or destroyed uh, for a number of reasons. Universal had three warehouse fires uh, in that period. Uh, and, and so uh, those were the mysteries that, that, that prompted our search. And so, um, yes, it, it eventually led us to the discovery of her little ancestral village uh, in North Tipperary, Nakavula, uh, and, uh, and her father's ancestral village uh, in, in uh, County Longford, uh, uh, Moyne. And it, it was just amazing because when we got there, we actually met living cousins and were invited to the uh the museum cultural center to tell her story uh we've been uh, kind of mounting a slideshow uh to kind of you know bring her back uh before the public's eye and so that kind of was a culmination of the whole you know decades-long search was being invited to tell her story in her little ancestral town with with you know cousins and, and relatives uh from ireland uh, in the audience. And so, yeah, it, there's been a lot of uh, highlights and, and, you know, important discoveries along the way. Uh, and that was one of the culminating ones. You mentioned uh, the Holy Grail will be finding one of her films. So I'm going to, yes. I'm going to assume there that, that they, they're all, they're all currently lost films. Well, you know, that, that is maybe the most uh, you know, uncanny uh, find of, of all is that, um, you know, everywhere we went to every archive we searched, you know, from the USC film archives, UCLA, the, the uh, Margaret Herrick Museum, uh, the Library of Congress, we just hit dead ends. And even longtime Hollywood insiders like Mark Wanamaker, one of the most uh, prolific historians of, of silent film, uh, told us, you know, uh, you know, don't, don't get your hopes up, but leave no stone unturned. Uh, and so that was kind of our motto. And if, if that's going to be your motto, you kind of have to accept whatever you find under those uh, overturned stones. And so after years of looking, my, my brother Dan and I sort of gave up on that and focused on other more practical uh, you know, goals. But my brother Dave never let go of that. And sure enough, uh, you know, about 15 years into this search, uh, we get an email from a Eureka painter. Uh, I think I found one of Regina's silent films, and indeed he had. And oh what what turned the tables was instead of searching under Regina Doyle, he searched under one of her uh, longtime uh, co-stars, Edmund Cobb, the you know the lonesome cowboy hero, made 200 films uh, in Hollywood and went on to to have a, a, a part role in, in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, but uh, he searched under Edmund Cobb. And up popped this compilation video by um, Grapevine Video out of Arizona with four of his uh, old Western shorts, 20 minutes long. And they bought it and it arrived in the mailbox and he left it sitting in his office for a couple months because he's a pretty busy character. And then one day he just decided to pop it in and play it. And the first video, no sign of her. Second one, no sign of her. Third one. And he gets to the fourth one, Bashful Whirlwind. And boom, within the first few shots, there she is. Bashful Whirlwind was her first film. Yeah, 1925. She was 18. 
actually probably 17 uh, when she graduated high school because her birthday was September. And Lemley was as good as the word. She made four films that year, but this was one we had never heard of. And so that really took our our recovery of Regina to another level. It was almost like seeing her ghost rise from the grave and, and spring to life on the screen in front of us, which had really kind of been our, our, our dream of dreams, you know, as far as bringing her back to life. And once we discovered that film, it, doors just started opening, uh, like at the Cinecom, Hollywood Cinecom Festival, we had met uh, Richard Atkins, and, um, who, who was the, uh, you know, the director of it. Um, and he, you know, so we went to the Hollywood Heritage Museum to present him with a copy of the film. And he said, let's go big with this. And, and he, how would you like to do your presentation of Regina like you've been doing at, at the Egyptian Theater in the Spielberg Theater? And then we'll cap that with a presentation, a premiere, if you will, of the film. And so that went really uh, well. It was a pretty full house. And um, ironically, it was two blocks from the intersection where she was killed uh, and literally about three blocks from the house she grew up on. So here we are almost a century later telling her story uh, to an audience in the Spielberg theater, (laughs) Egyptian theater, which is ironic in itself because Egyptian theater was built in 1922 to commemorate uh, Harold Carter's discovery of the Tut of King Tomb. So a monument dedicated to death and resurrection. Uh, So anyways, yeah, so this is where I was born at Queen of Angels, but we moved shortly thereafter to Westwood and then Encino. So I never knew Hollywood. And so this whole story led me back to my first neighborhood, though I had no memories of it. And uh, it was really kind of a, a rediscovery uh, you know, on a personal level of the, the role of this little small collection of, of uh, shady streets at the base of Cahuenga Canyon and the Hollywood Hoodles have played in, in, in my life and in my mom's life and in Regina's life. Amazing. And then we come to find out there's this sort of um, uh, uncanny uh, curse of Franklin Avenue um, where a, a lot of um, uh, morbid, you know, things have happened there. And if you recall, one of the things uh, in, in this opening uh, memoir that we found from my mom is that Regina's mom, Josephine, had a premonition of evil. The morning she was killed, she t- says to Regina, to please drive safely, I've had this premonition of evil that something terrible is going to happen. Well, this prompted me to want to search into the way, hearing these rumors about the curse of Franklin. And it turns out, you know, that's where uh, Janet Joplin had, had died right there in a hotel. She had overdosed John Belushi, uh, similarly right there. Uh, of course, um, uh, Rudy Valentino's mansion was right there at Whitley Heights at the top, and he died suddenly at the age of 31. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gets even darker than that. But uh, I, so I started delving into that part of the mystery and find out that uh, it was the burial ground of the old Gabrielino Indians who vanished without a trace after the Spanish uh, appeared. And the only trace left behind is a linguistic one, the name Cahuenga Canyon. So that, you know, was just kind of gave another twist to the, to the, to the story of uh, the night of her death and, and, the, and the causes of it. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the story isn't much about our 20 year search for her as it is about what we found about her, her life and her art and, uh, and her ancestry. Uh, I saw online that, that y'all had a Kickstarter program, a Kickstarter 
uh, yeah, we, campaign. Yeah, we actually, we do. We're doing a, a documentary short. We're about three quarters of the way into it. And so far, um, you know, we've raised about uh, $20,000. We've got about another 10000 to go, to go. And I can give folks uh, a link to go to if they're interested in, in, uh, in, in contributing to that. That's sure. just GoFundMe. Yeah, it says GoFundMe slash F7253 ABF. And the, the letters are all lowercase. So GoFundMe slash F7253 ABF lowercase. Yeah, and it's, it's going well. And so we're hoping to kind of uh, submit it to as a documentary short to Sundance and other film festivals next year and cross market it with the book and uh, do book signings in the, uh, in the lobby while, the, you know, after the documentary. So, yeah, it's all part of the goal to try to rescue her from oblivion, um, you know, for, you know, with a career whose promise was really tragically cut short. Uh, and, and, uh, that's been sort of our mo- motivating factor. And the book was just, you know, a, a big step towards that and, you know, gratifying to, to finally, you know, uh, bring her back to the public's attention. Uh, uh, like I said, in the, in the, before, you know, she was killed in 24, she made like 13 films. Uh, so she was a busy girl and, uh, and most of them were Western. She starred opposite, um, uh, George Chandler, who was uh, Uncle Petrie on Lassie and later president of the Screen Actors Guild in about half of them, comic uh, westerns. And then the more dramatic one, she was starring opposite Edmund Cobb. But she was constantly, you know, uh, uh, being cast in bit parts along with, uh, you know, Faye Ray and Thelma Hill and uh, Janet Gaynor and, and uh, 10 other starlets who were recruited in that same class of 25. Uh, she, was, she was driving a very expensive Franklin sedan uh, on the night of her death. So that was another sign, I think, of her uh, rising star. The fact that she was, uh, you know, a, a brand new uh, Franklin sedan. They only made like 60,000 of them from the years 1910 to 1930. Uh, so I think she was, uh, you know, uh, up and coming. And uh, again, that just sort of underscores the tragedy of her death. I was just wondering that um, when, you know, you've had several aha moments uh, in this book. Mm. And of course, the biggest yeah. one is finding her, finding her lost film or what yeah. was, what was a lost film. Um, now, since you found that one, you said doors open and people are looking, you know, people are opening up now. You think it may open up some of the vaults that, that people have in private collections. To well, maybe... that's the kind of, yeah, that's the sort of uh unexpected consequence that you you can't count on but that sometimes does happen and if there's one thing we've learned it's not just a the kind of pluck you have uh and and your prowess as doing uh, archival research or field research but just that thing called serendipity where somebody just happens to see it and you know and it's a, and, and has that that little missing piece of the puzzle that that uh, you're you're reunited with for example after we gave our uh, talk at the um, at Spielberg Theater in our slideshow on Regina, I just happened to mention to the audience uh, that we're, the search for Regina goes on as it is as we speak. And um, we're hoping to get in contact with the members of the Edmund Cobb estate or the Carl Lemley estate or the George Chandler estate. Well, I no sooner said that than this fellow approaches me up the, on the side of the stage. He goes, yeah, hi, I'm Jordan Young. I used to be... Uh, 
you know, a beat reporter for entertainment with the LA Times, and I was the last person to interview George Chandler. Um, and I happened to have all of his, um, you know, unpublished papers, and I'd be happy to go through them and see if there is something uh, of your grandmother in them. And so we exchanged contact information, and sure enough, about a month later, I get a call from Jordan. He goes, I found this picture, and I think it, I think it might be your grandmother. And he sends it to me, and sure enough, it was a picture of her and George in one of the Westerns where he's lassoing her. You know, it's kind of a rope trick by the heel. And it became one of our favorite pictures. And he goes, you know, the person you really need to contact is, is uh, uh, George's uh, son, Bodie. Uh, Chandler. I don't know anything else about him. That's, I just have the name, son Bodie. So uh, my brother by then, Dan, had become really adept at doing this kind of uh, archival digital ancestral research using Ancestry.com and Roots Ireland and other you know, platforms. And I, so I just gave him that name, Bodie Chandler, to see if he could find him. <laughs> Literally two days later, the, the phone rings and it's him because I found him. He's in Tucson, Arizona. Here's his address, his phone number. Why don't you call him? Well, instead of calling him out of the blue, I sent him a Christmas, because it was right up around Christmas time. I sent him a Christmas package with that photo in it and uh, Regina's, uh, you know, IMBD and biography, and, and then just held my breath. I mean, he had to be in his 80s by then. But he, you know, was he even still alive? And would he even be willing to search for any memorabilia, which I had asked in the card? And uh, and sure enough, about three weeks into the new year, I get this email, and it's from Bodie, and he goes, if this is uh, your grandmother, I think we've hit the jackpot. And man, he had found 24 pristine black and white photos of our grandmother, Regina, and, and George Chandler. And he, he, he said in one of them, you know, I always wondered why I had this box, why, why it was entrusted to me. And now I realize it was, this is all meant to, to be. And uh, it turns out that, you know, underscoring the role of serendipity and just pure chance, it turns out that Bodie was also born in the same hospital, Queen of Angels, as I was. Oh, and his wow. son, his son was living in our hometown of Lafayette up in Northern California, you know, 500 miles north of, of, uh, of Hollywood. And it's just things like that, which have happened at a, at, a, at such a, you know, not a real regular uh, frequency, but often enough to really make you uh, cognizant that there's something here at work that, that we can't control that, you know, that you can control, you know, your own effort and, and your, you know, archival search and your diligence. And, but there are other things in play that, uh, that make these kind of searches, um, you know, fruitful in a way you could have never anticipated. And so that was one of the, the sort of awakening we had just to the nature of these kind of uh, searches where one thing has just kept leading to another. Like Richard Atkins, who's been, you know, the former president of Hollywood Heritage, I mean, he was such a champion when we, we brought Regina's story to his attention. And uh, he said, do you, do you know how many people walk through into our museum wanting to know if we can find things about their celebrity uh, ancestors who haven't been able to find anything. And then here you guys are, you just keep finding one thing after another, after another, <laughs> after another. And it's been going on 20 years like that. Just recently, my brother uh, just discovered our uh, quadruple great grandparents from County Longford, Ireland. Um, 
through, you know, the baptismal certificates and so on. So now we're planning our fourth trip back there to hopefully meet those living cousins. So it's an ongoing thing. In fact, the, 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 this is a two-volume uh, project. The first volume is out, of course, which really focuses on Regina's uh, li- life and art and her, and her tragic death in Hollywood. The second volume really is a search for her roots in time. It's, it's uh, called Butterflies in the Rain, uh, the search for a starlet in time. So that'll be coming out down the road, but it's pretty much already written. I mean, we've been doing that search for, for uh, like I said, at least 10 years, and it was just too much to include in, in one volume. Uh, at, at 524 <laughs> pages. Uh, uh, ben, the wonderful publisher at Bear Man Media, says, Steve, why don't you do this in two volumes? So that's kind of a... Uh, that's kind of where we're going. Well, the author's name is Stephen Gilbert Brown, and the book is Butterflies in the Rain, A Tale of Old Hollywood, The Life, Art, and Tragic Death of Silent Film Starlet, Regina Doyle. Stephen, I want to thank you for being on Lights, Camera, Author tonight. It's been my pleasure, Jim. We really appreciate your interest, and give my best to all of your viewers.